Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I am whole, I am complete, and I am worthy. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. Today's episode, we are canvassing the never-before-canvassed subject area of eating disorders, um, which, of course, everyone knows someone who's had one. I mean, you can't sort of get through life without escaping it. I don't have the statistics as to how common it is. Well, I think there's a whole lot of people that are not diagnosed with eating disorders that have yeah, them. Running around with all kinds of funny patterns and habits mm, as well. Absolutely. Yes. Certainly. So the... much so, just to interrupt, that yeah. in my, my matchmaking business, I now ha- ask, do you have a particular eating uh, diet? Uh, because it's now deal breaker. Like I've got people that are going, I, I'll only date vegans. I've got people that are, I'm only dating paleo. I know. Do you seriously? I'm serious. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. And you know, eating, funny eating or obsessive eating has always been with us throughout history in different forms. And, you know, it's a terrible thing to say, but it takes on trends as well. And, and you know, certainly in the 90s, the age of the supermodels and the age of the waif with Kate Moss and that whole, it was almost like... The, the cool thing to have at school was every girl had anorexia nervosa. Like, it was like the thing, which it sounds ridiculous because, of course, it wasn't quite like that. But I certainly remember girls of my era, of being a teenager in that era, being hospitalised a lot. I remember... A well, mine was very much about bulimia. Bulimia in, my era. in your era. In, in my era, the era, era, there was a club of girls called the 49 and Under Club at one particular very posh high school here in Adelaide who um, all helped each other stay 49 kilos and under. And one of them ended up dying and they all ended up in hospital. And um, so, look, it, and it's funny with all the work I do with teenagers now, it's like I don't hear a lot about eating stuff anymore. I hear all about self-harm. That seems to have become the new trend for letting it out or letting the pain out. But anyway, that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. But the eating disorder is a very insidious disease, if you like, because for two, I mean, there's two things going on here. First of all, we've got a hell of a lot of people in our population, like Jane just alluded to, who are hiding behind vegetarianism, veganism, and other extremists. Now, I've obviously nobody in this conversation has any problem with, I don't eat animals because I believe in animal rights. If you're that extreme, be a vegan, fine. It's when you actually start to use particular regimes to hide behind, to drop away more and more food groups without being questioned by mum or dad or the waiter or the doctor. Oh, I'm just a vegan. I don't eat all those food groups. Oh, okay. That's how they get away with starting to starve themselves. Also, We've got a whole lot of really well-meaning mums and dads and people out there who know victims of this disease. And they're trotting off to the psychologists and the psychiatrists and the doctors and they're trying to medicate or they're trying to hospitalise or they're trying to just do stuff for these kids and they're still viewing it like it's a medical problem. Oh, if only they could just eat, we'd fix the problem. Nobody, to my knowledge, is deeply enough, sufficiently enough approaching this issue from the truth of what it is. And what is it? It's self-loathing at its deepest level. You would, yes. have, you would have known a lot of them in your dancing. Heaps in the dancing industry, yeah. which became so competitive. And uh, there was a period where vinegar, everyone was just drinking vinegar because that worked. The problem is that uh, it starts, you know, it starts with a desire to be more beautiful physically. And then the distortion comes in and then the self-loathing comes in and it gets deeper and deeper. And in my day, like in, particularly in the 90s, it became... People were too scared to call people on it. Mm. And so 
it was like whispered about and talked about behind people's backs but never to their faces. When we interviewed Bridget Mitchell, and you may want to listen to those episodes as a companion piece to today's, yeah. which is when we did part, what, what What's Real is, Beauty, what What's Beauty, beauty part, part One and Two. That's it. And yeah. Bridget Mitchell talked about that she will call, she's a model agent, when the girls come in and she can tell straight away, she's got the eagle eye, she's been doing this stuff for decades, she knows immediately, and yeah. she calls them on it straight away, doesn't yeah. she? She's yeah. back to the parents straight away. Yes, yeah, so, yes, absolutely. And the parents are always in denial. Oh, no, she's just always been a picky eater. No. Show up, face the music. That's if right. If your child is killing themselves or starving themselves or self-abusing, your child is self-abusing. Which this actually marries right on to last week's episode about delusion. Yes, right? Exactly. And it is delusion. And it's fear. And it's it's scary because it's like, I don't want to have to deal with this. I don't know what to do. And so we just sort of pretend that everything's okay and everything is not okay. Um, it's a cry for help. It's it a, is such a cry for help. Massive cry for help, particularly and, when they're just young, like 14 or, you know... I mean, it's, you know, I've certainly counselled adults as well. I mean, I had a girl the other day that was nearly 30 and she's had bulimia off and on for a very long time. Well, the problem with these things is that they work. And what I mean by that is that the very first desire is to have a figure different to what yours is. And so it's, okay, well, I, I just want to stop eating. Instead of, I would like to eat healthier, whatever that is. And do, my, do my squats and my yeah yeah or do yeah yeah it's again it's we want to take a pill don't we, we want the quick fix so the quick fix is yeah and in my day the quick fix is I put my fingers down my throat I touch the little gag reflex at the back and I vomit and it yeah. works and it's like when and, and two weeks knows. later everyone's saying wow you look good you've lost weight you look fantastic yeah guess what there's the incentive incentive keep going. Yeah, it's like um, if anyone's ever had a really big flu and by the time you, you sort of don't feel like eating for a week, you sort of get by on toast and tea and then you, you climb out of that and you've usually, your pants are hanging off you. It's that kind of idea that if you want a really quick result, you just immediately eradicate something drastically. I can tell you what the quickest of all, the uh, quickest uh, way to, to lose weight is have a separation. <laughs> Have a marriage separation. Have a marriage separation. I watch all these poor clients that just drop weight. Well, they go one of two ways: either drop weight or they stack it on. Yeah. But it's you know it's very quickly happens. But that's that's a, that's beside the point. So, I guess the first thing, like we need to talk here about if you have an eating disorder, what you can do. That also we need to talk about if you suspect that somebody you love has got an eating disorder, what can you do? This is about education. This and, whole episode. Yeah, this is probably more where I've had more experience has been to help those who have had an eating disorder. And in my day, it was dancers, and they were usually in their early 20s, mid-20s. Um, the profile for just about all of them was highly intelligent, highly emotional, very attractive, and in a competitive field. A hundred percent agree. They're always an A-type personality. They're always, they're often the A-grade, they're usually the A-grade students. Yeah. And, and let's face it, when we talk eating disorders, a massive percentage is, is female. For whatever reason, it's female. We can talk about men in a minute. And I'm going to go into bodybuilding and the, and the flip side and orthorexia and some of the other spin-off. But for the most part here, I guess we're talking about the young female who's constantly questing for perfection. Yes. Absolutely. And and I think the reason this is so important that we're doing this topic is because so many of you beautiful listeners are the kinds of people that are capable of having the tough conversations of stepping in where angels fear to, to tread. But you're also the people that people come to for advice and wisdom. They feel safe with you. They feel trusted. So perhaps if we share a bit about what we've had to do in the past and might help pave the way for those of you that are being reached out to. Um, so... 
My first big intervention was watching this beautiful dancer, watching a team of them actually that all decided to get very competitive with each other mm. to have the best figure. And in the 90s, it was waif. And it was so who could get the thinnest. Um, and then at the same time, go and get breast implants and, you know, so have the big boobs and the, the really skinny everything else. It was almost that a hangover from the 80s, Baywatch. Yeah. Uh, Pamela Anderson kind of appearance moving into then the waif. And I watched all these girls start competing. They were all doing different things. I kept hearing rumours of what they were doing. So I brought in a nutritionist um, to chat who came out and said, well, of the 10 girls in that room, none of them have got an eating disorder. I went, great. But one of them was quite severe and I watched, I I kept questioning and saying, are you eating enough, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm concerned that your stamina is now not what it should be. You can't make it through a rehearsal. And then we did a performance and she went to do um, a jazz leap and landed and just went over on her ankle, came off. And I just said, right, enough I need to meet with your parents. Um, You can choose the night. And I need both mum and dad there. And she said, why? And I said, not divulging that now. I'm just requesting a meeting with your parents. I want you there as well. Dad wasn't there, but mum was. And I sat down and I was really tough. And I just said, I believe that your beautiful daughter has an eating disorder. And I believe that she's not far away from dying. And then I just stayed silent. And I did not, I would not speak the next word. The next word was going to come from one or the other, mum or the daughter. I was not filling that airtime. I made my statement and let's just see where it sits. And there was a long silence. It was, took a lot of control to not want to fill that and make it nice. And then mum had tears in her eyes. Yeah. And there we started. But I'd done my research. I had found two very good specialists. I think one was a GP and one was a specialist in eating disorders. I said, here's two recommendations. I gave them the names, the numbers. uh, And then I said, and here is the toughest part of all that I'm delivering. I'm going to deliver an incentive because I'm not sure that this beautiful girl has an incentive. So I'm going to deliver one. And that is that you can no longer perform professionally until I've had a, doc- a certificate from one of those doctors stating that you are now physically strong enough and healthy enough to be executing the, required, mm. the requirements of the job. Yeah. And I'm so happy to say that about 12 months ago, she gave birth to her first child. Mm. So she's fabulous and healthy and wonderful. Um, and that, that had a great outcome. That was, uh, she was 20, just turned 20. And I remember being invited to her 21st birthday and her, both her mum and her dad, when I walked in, just held me. The mum held me so tight and just said, thank you, you saved our daughter. Brings tears to I my know, eyes brings now. brings tears to mind. Isn't that an amazing story, Jane? Because, why do I have to share this? Because everyone was too scared. Yeah. Nobody was going to say anything. They were too scared. And you, our Love Life tribe are warrior women. Every single one of you is completely capable of doing what I did. You do it with love. I was shit scared. I had no experience. I wasn't a counsellor. I wasn't a social worker. I wasn't a psychologist. I did not know how to do this. All I knew in my heart 
was that I had to because nobody else was. Mm. Do you know, this is not that far off sexual abuse. And one of the things that we were taught when they train you, obviously, to go into schools and deal with a lot of kids and you have to have sex ed training and, and all that sex abuse training, is that most of the time when a child reveals a bit of something or it's not even that, a parent or a teacher or an adult picks up something the first thing they do is they go into denial and they, they talk themselves out of it. Oh, that can't be real. Because the truth is too horrible and you think, it just can't be. Now, that can't be right. I'm sure I misread that situation. The child's smiling. I'm sure the child's fine. Yeah. You know, and so, we, and, and this is the same thing, James. So here he, you've got a parent whose daughter can't even do a, a jump. You That's know, right. That's how sick she is, right? And the parent knows. There's no parent in the world that doesn't know. Whose house is it? Who does the shopping? Who cooks the meals? Who helps with the lunch boxes? Who packs the pantry? Like, seriously. In denial to the highest level. Why? Shame, guilt, embarrassment, fear of failure, fear of what other people will say, fear of the family, fear of having to deal with stuff, fear of what other people's, you know, the mother-in-law or the husband or dragging the little sister in or, or whatever's going to happen. Implications, implication. Everyone gets too bogged down by their own stuff to be able to do what needs to be done. And Jane's right, it takes a lot of balls sometimes to call out a serious condition and stage an intervention. Look, that could have gone horribly wrong. I could have been accused of all sorts of legal things and ended up in some court because this was my employee. It was horrible. But you've just got to have faith and trust in your wisdom, in your heart, in your intent and deliver very simply your statement but give a suggested solution. You've got to have the suggested solution. So you do your research, get some good phone numbers, names and phone numbers to give them a, a place, an action, a call to action. Yeah. And here's where you go from here because this is all I'm capable of doing outside of loving you, checking in with you, making you accountable, reminding you how important and worthy you are in my life. And, you know, she was back dancing in not long at all, which was really good. But because what is an eating disorder? It is a cry for help. We've got to understand that. It's, it's actually a really muffled, suffocated way that a drowning person is trying to wave in an ocean. They're, they're, they're actually hoping at the, at the deepest level that somebody is going to come and give them the love that they're, that they're craving for. Because when, when you're starving, it's like, what are you actually starving for? You're starving for this deeper, deeper emotion that's missing. Why is it missing? Who knows? From birth, from childhood, maybe there was a trauma, maybe there was early sexual abuse, maybe there wasn't. Maybe they're just a perfectionist, maybe they've just got that high-achieving personality, they've got deeply ingrained beliefs picked up from somewhere about fear of failure, or fear of not being good enough, fear of low self-worth, self-loathing, self-abuse, negative self-talk, it's all there. It's been compounded by the media, it's been compounded by every mirror that's in every house which should all be broken and packed away. Let's not forget that not that long ago, the entire world got up in the morning and went to work and came home again without looking in a mirror. We didn't really used to have them. Rich people might have had some. Egyptians had a couple. They figured it out. But people didn't look in mirrors. We constantly look at our reflection in life and we constantly look at billboards, magazines and 200,000 commercials a year. So all of that is a factor. Of course, it's not the reason. We know not to blame the media for anorexia. Anorexia comes because somebody has some severely deficient self-worth issues going on. And and they're masking it with control and the control is the food. If it wasn't the food, it'd be something else. There's lots of people with self-worth issues who are masking it through other behaviours as well. There's not necessarily going to be anorexia. Well, I was going to say there's also, you know, bulimia, which as I mentioned earlier, was big in the 80s. Now, I was very blessed. Around the mid-80s, I was working at the Adelaide Convention Centre and I was privy 
I, if I wanted to, I could sneak into auditoriums and listen to the world's best leaders on any subject. And they had an international paediatrician's conference. And there was a paediatrician that was speaking on eating disorders. And because I had my dance school and my production company, I managed to get hold of um, the audio recording. Now, there was a lot of jargon in there that was way over my head that was technical words that I didn't understand. But there was an awful lot in this tape that I did understand, including a statistic. So this was back in 1987. And it was that, what do you think of the percentage of children that will grow up to have an eating disorder if by the age of 12, their parents have been talking about weight, their weight with them? So if you've parented a child from 0 to 12, and at some point in that time, you've spoken to the child about the child's weight, 100% have an eating disorder. 100. I was so blessed to hear that because I then, I mean, I didn't then have my child until 1999, so that was 12 years later, but I never forgot it. And the day that I gave birth to, well, first daughter and then the second daughter two years later, I made a commitment that I would never use the term weight ever Mm. in my house. I would never complain about my weight, which fluctuated by 20 kilos consistently over the period of of the children's existence. They've never once heard me talk about how I'm unhappy with my body, how I would like to lose weight. They've only ever heard the word health. And And on that note, can we please remember to never compliment girls on their physicality? If you want to compliment a girl, talk to her about her brain. Talk to her about her goodness. Talk to her about her intelligence. Okay, I want to challenge that. Do you? Yeah. All right. I'm going to say I agree. Yeah. I, however, also believe that every teenage girl or every girl Wants to feel pretty. Okay, so I've got a four-year-old girl. Yeah. So I am making sure in this leg of her life, I'm not, you're such a pretty little girl. That dress looks so pretty. Okay, well, I'll change the words to say you make that dress look good. I would rather say you are such a clever girl. Did you think of that all by yourself? But you do that as well. Well, I guess you do a bit of both. You do both. And so I used to have, back in the 90s when I had a bit of free time, I would decorate tissue boxes. If you'd like to unsubscribe from the RSS feed, now we understand. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is called transparency. <laughs> true, true transparency. I'm so cool. Um, and so I, uh, I had this tissue box that was in the children's bathroom, in the girls' bathroom, and it had, I can't remember the exact words, but it was something like, um, beauty comes from within, Pretty, pretty. You may be pretty on the outside, but true beauty has to be matched from within. Yeah. And so it was always about, and I am blessed, the, the children are blessed that they are actually very physically attractive girls. And so I've always made sure that it's been, yep, you're looking great, you're looking fantastic, but you're matching it on the inside. 88 just went by on the number oh, plate. God, for those Beck, you're hilarious. <laughs> it was 44 last week, 88 this week. <laughs> um, so I feel that you you do need validation in all areas um 
but I definitely get that there's far too much of, oh, aren't you a pretty little girl? Oh, you're so pretty. Oh, you're so cute. It's you're just, so beautiful. It's the easy default in our society, which is to immediately view women according to their physical persona, like their, their, you know, yes. their exterior, their physical looks. And I, we just need to, this is like another pattern interrupting. We need to catch ourselves and stop it. Let's talk about the girls who, um, oh, there's so much to talk about. We've got to move on this because it's half an hour. I just want to say you've got to be really careful with these girls when they go off in life and start to have their relationships and stuff because they're so often the girl with like, they're like the bird with the broken wing. And what happens is you kind of get these almost predator types that come in in life and try and either rescue them like the lost puppy, like the rescuer white knight syndrome type guys or people who need to kind of boost their own egos by preying on the weaker or the more vulnerable will kind of go in and often take advantage of these kind of souls. They have... They have a lot of drama in their lives. They don't have very good female friendships. They often group with other toxic types of girls, you know, who feed all of that neuroses in them. It's it, The problems just get so, so deep. So let's sum a lot of that up as, as best we can by saying, please be aware that any sort of an eating disorder is a big red flag for the fact that the person has some deep, unhealed wounds. Where do those wounds come from? probably from the first seven years of their life, okay? Something has happened in childhood that has deeply upset them or ungrounded them or made them question their worth or their I'm good enough or the world is a safe, controlled place for me, okay? Until that is addressed at a proper psychological, emotional level, you are not healing an eating disorder, Correct. You are not healing it. And parents need to get this through their heads, and so do doctors for that matter, is yes. you can't treat this by putting someone in hospital and sticking a drip in their no. arm. That is not going to treat it. Let's quickly go to some other ways this manifests. This is a very sweeping statement, but I'm going to say that whenever I see a chick get hardcore into bodybuilding, eating disorder, I can pick them, and I've known them. It's another... It starts as, I'm going to do this to feel better about me. I'm going to do this to feel stronger physical, like physically and emotionally. I'm going to do this to take control of my world. I'm going to do this to, again, there's the control. There's the, it, it's trying to make up for some sort of a lack of self-worth or, or, or deficiency, but it's going about it often the wrong way. Again, once it tips into the extremist, they're going all the time. They live at the gym. They start to turn yeah, into a man. Yeah, they start being the runners, doing the they're, marathons. and they're, they're gymnasts, The gymnasts, the ballet dancers and, that just push their bodies to these insane lengths. I also see it in the men. And sometimes, you know, for me, and it's partly because I'm psychic and so forth, but when I see a photo of a guy who's who's really big, not, not just he goes to the gym four times a week, but this dude has packed on the almost steroid muscle. I just look at him and I just straight away see the little boy in him and I think, you were bullied, weren't you? Or your dad, you've got father issues, or you, you're a very sweet little boy deep down under all that. Hidden under all those layers of protection, of armor, of muscle, of don't come near me, don't fucking touch me, I'll hurt you before you hurt me. They're usually the sweetest guys. It's like how people are always scared of Hell's Angels, but they're the ones that help the grannies across the road. But they have to put so much armor on because they've been so wounded. Mm, exactly. Orthorexia? You just reminded me too of um, when you talked about, you know, the ballet dancers, was that in my time with dancing, I remember there was um, controversy because Melbourne. Oz, uh, Oz Ballet had a policy that you had to be 48 kilos or under. Oh, just like the 48 number and club. At the- mine was 49 kilos and over oh. to be working for me. 
and there was an article that about the two of us, how we were different in, Forty, in a, I, a dance magazine. That's got to be illegal now, right? Because I know. we now have actual legal issues over catwalk weights and stuff. Like it's 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 that's fascinating. It is, isn't it? So the point that I actually say you are not employable is the point that they go, right, now we'll employ you. Yeah. It was like, are you kidding me? And, so I, and I did have one dancer that was under 48, but she was five foot two. But I did say, I need a letter from your doctor that this is a healthy weight. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not playing games. I'm tough-assed. And I wanted to really try and change the image of entertainment to mm. be of more of a, a womanly figure. And the workplace culture. So any, if any of you are in, in an arena where you're grubbing photos for your websites or you're um, you're getting, you know, graphics done up for posters and flyers or you're employing people that where physical appearance is important, please try and promote the healthy body. You know, try and really think about what that image is that you're grabbing and putting up there because it does start initially with a desire to be something that we're not. And so we can all help in that, in sharing healthier, more realistic images of women absolutely and remember image of beauty is so culture and time related like you know in other areas of eras eras of history where people were a lot poorer you know to be fatter was was desired or, exactly you know, because <laughs> that was the height that's me you see yeah, but we're you know back to that era where i'm a goddess because i've got the hips and the handles all happening eras <laughs> where people had to most people had to labor and peasant and work out in the sun were very weathered and had very brown skin and very rough hands so then it became if you were very white and milky complexion with very soft hands that was the desired beauty whereas now it's like if you're tanned it means you've got a lot of time off you're wealthy you can lie in the sun afford to lie in the sun it's funny how beauty changes through all these different but let's talk about the 20 teens obsession or trend at the moment the eating disorder it a lot of it is in it's in the wellness world it's in our industry jane and that's it's, right it's the people who are the orthorexia orthorexia nervosa sufferers these are the people who are getting into they are often using things like the paleo diet they're using veganism they're using lots of other trends that are coming out around insane limitations of diet in order to justify a set of rules which they've decided upon in their heads which don't necessarily hold up against science some of them do some of them are quack science it doesn't really matter the orthorexia sufferer is somebody who genuinely believes that they are it's a, it's a very self-righteous approach to eating it's holier than thou it's i eat clean i eat different to you i will shame you in my presence if you eat the sorts of foods that i deem to be polluted foods and what does an orthorexia nervosa sufferer deem to be a polluted food ham potatoes white rice um pretty much every single every single food that's not water that's come out of a you know <laughs> an arctic hole or um, a nut that's grown and, on a tree and, and never been sprayed the way you can determine a person that's suffering this is that because i'm all for listening to your body and choosing whatever um food model works for you but if you are finding that you are changing your social situation as a result You've got a problem. If you can't just order at a restaurant, if you can't say yes to a barbecue, if you can't have a slice of birthday cake, you you're you do have a problem. There's something going on. There's and actually, if you feel you need to be pushing your stuff on everybody else, then you've got a problem. There's a couple of awesome articles if you want to chuck into Google um, Elephant Journal, which is a fantastic website for wellness content. Um, 
uh, just put into Elephant Journal, um, Orthorexia Nervosa. There's there's a couple of girls who have written very eloquently about their journeys uh, with with that, which which may assist you if if this is ringing bells for you in this conversation. So, look, we're ending our half hour, and I hope that we've been able to clarify or educate you guys on something around these conditions. I I think it's fairly common now, isn't it, Jane? That most people do sort of know that eating disorders are about control. That's something yes. which most people have now twigged onto. Of course, Jane and I just wanted to take it next level and really bring it back to these are fundamental self-abuse issues. These are fundamental self-loathing, self-hatred and low self-worth issues which need to be addressed at a psychological, emotional level in order for any stick to really take place. I am whole, I am complete and I am worthy. Thank you so much for joining us on the couch as you do every week for the free half-hour show. Please help us by telling the friends that you know need who need to hear specific episodes just send them a little link like just pass on the love or pass on help help the ripple effect to spread because that's how we can help people to wake up question their own stuff analyze their emotions parent better teach better educate better be better wives be better husbands be better in the community it's through this show and through through helping spread awareness so you guys can help us massively in that movement you can go to lovelifeshow.com for coaching counseling with jane and i to you know further your own journeys you can find upcoming events we're working on an ebook all kinds of stuff every single episode we've done for the last 130 plus they're all up there in the archives chuck in this, this whatever search word that you want to know we've got a great search engine now so you can go right back to episode one to five if you need and find whatever you need whatever you need for the particular situation you're in until this time next week remember to love your body and empower the bodies of others around you Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening, and it's a beautiful